This week's featured Reddit post is might have made the worst decision of my life. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name is Courtney, I'm your host, and I'm joined with my co-host Trevor. And this week's featured Reddit post is might have made the worst decision of my life. Talk about clickbait, right? <laughs> might have made the worst decision of my life. This could be anything, right? I, I, I had to click on it. This is a Reddit post and it was under Personal Finance Canada. Couldn't help myself. Turned out to be a really interesting post that I think a lot of people might might kind of relate to in a kind of roundabout way. So with uh, with little little to know about this post, I'll I'll dive into uh, to to reading it just to provide some context. But just an over overview of the show today, we're gonna go through the four segments of of our of our show. We have the rundown. This is where we give our opinions about the post. We have the second seg- segment, the link. This is where we reflect on our personal uh, personal experiences. Number three is the upvote where we read some of our favorite Reddit comments from the post. And number four is where we offer up uh, the solution. So if you're new here, we go through week after week Reddit posts from the Personal Finance Canada subreddit and we reflect on what Canadians are talking about uh, in in real time. So this post goes a little something like this. My wife and I needed a secondary car. A lot of people suggested getting a fuel-efficient Civic. However, we went into impulse mode and put a deposit down on a new Lexus. We currently own a 2014 RAV4, which has no car payments. After eight years, we felt like we deserved a nice car before we turned 30. That was always my dream. Emphasis on the word deserve there. We'll circle back. The rest of it goes, we went from not having any car payments to 11 $1,100 $1,100 a month. Ouch. And I feel like now it's too late to get the non-refundable deposit of $2,500 back from the dealership since they put a factory order in already. It's set to arrive on July of this year. No credit checks or any questions answered or were asked. It's been four weeks now since, and I don't know how we're going to make these payments plus insurance plus gas for the next five years. I feel like I'm getting anxious even thinking about it. Long story short, made an impulse decision to factor order a car and not sure how I can make $1,100 a month car payments. Felt like we deserved to drive a nice car. We rent, no kids, just a pet dog. Um, edit one, the car MSRP is 79000 The payments are based on a $5,000 down payment and six-year term. So that's that's the situation at hand. That is our, our post where we're looking at this week. So uh, some takeaways from this post, a couple of key words that really caught my attention. One was the word impulse. So the, the person's admitting uh, they made an impulse decision. So r- right away, when I hear the word impulse, I'm thinking this was made, you know, my theory about personal finance is 10% math, 90% behavior. So it wasn't math that got this person in this, in this situation. They're even admitting it. It was an impulse decision. So their, their emotions got the better of them. They, they they got caught up in some sort of euphoric car buying moment and, and signed on the dotted line. The next key word, and you mentioned it, Courtney, when you're reading it, the word deserve. You don't deserve anything in life. You you get what you earn. You you there nobody nobody gets what they deserve in life. You 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 sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you get fortunate, sometimes you get unlucky, sometimes you get unfortunate. But there's no deserve in life. You you you, ba- you usually get what you 
earn, uh, or or you suffer consequences based on your actions. So impulse and deserve tend to lead to bad places. Your thoughts? Oh, for sure. I, I absolutely agree with that. I think that that keyword deserve is is a little bit of a red flag there. But also, also um, before we turn 30, I, there definitely is emphasis on this um, this type of, of destination. And also, the I'd like to highlight too the um, the emphasis on kind of seeing the Civic as an option and highlighting the 2014 RAV4 as as their current car, but those seeming inferior to to the Lexus. I'd like your thoughts on that a little bit. Well, I think they started out with good intentions. You know, they, they, they currently own a RAV4 fully paid for. It's a very modest vehicle, very affordable uh, on to operate and to buy. And a Honda Civic, I mean, that's an entry-level car with that Honda offers. They're great, reliable cars. So they they had the best intentions to start with. And I thought, you know, good on them. I, want, I just, I wonder, what would they have done to deserve a Lexus? So the guy mentions he makes $60,000 a year. That's a respectable salary, right? It's respectable. You know, you're not a CEO or a VP or anything, I doubt it. But what what accomplishment in life would have led them to the point of deserving something i just what, there's nothing in this post that would suggest they've 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 crossed some sort of milestone or or achieved some sort of superstar status like there's no no mentions of of how they arrived at the word deserve oh i agree with that and 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 you always mention trevor that a purchase of a car is one of the kind of the bigger purchases we'll make in life and that we can get wrong i mean what were your thoughts on that $79,000 price tag and, and comparing that to all the other um, type of type of payments that we have that we're looking at too, such as the $1,100 a month? So here's the thing with cars. So two of the biggest purchases you'll ever make in your life is a house and a car. And the house, you you may only ever buy one house. You know, maybe you bought the perfect house and you live in it for, I lived in my house for 24 years. So I haven't owned many houses, but maybe on average you may own three houses. Just say you your starter home, the home you raise your family in, and then the house you downsize to when you're retired. Just say, you know, most people on average, three houses. So just say you made a mistake buying your first house and you got into something too expensive and you sell it. Well, the good thing about houses is they go up in value. So you can sell your house and not lose any money. And you might lose like transaction costs, like real estate commission and legal fees, but that's a cost of maybe making a bad decision. And let's say you 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 get it wrong the second time, and and just say you got it right the third time. So the thing is, you only over the course of your life, you you only made two mistakes out of three. The problem with a car is you you probably buy a car every eight to ten years on average. I keep my cars longer, but the average person eight to ten years, you get a chance to make this mistake every eight to 10 years if you can't figure it out. That's the problem with the car. The second problem is, and everyone knows this, anything with wheels depreciates, goes down, and they go down in a hurry. I mean, you buy some things that depreciate slowly. Cars are not one of them. They depreciate like at light speed. So that that's, and so getting out of this mistake is going to cost you money. If, if, well, we'll get to the solution at the end, but if you let this this story play out, 
getting out of this thing will cost you. You you will you will you'll have to pay out of pocket to, to fix this. Eleven hundred dollars a month, that is an outrageous amount of money to pay for a car. I think you can rent an apartment for okay, in the area I live in, fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred dollars a month will get you uh, a place to live, a roof over your head, running water, like uh, uh, basically a, a place to keep you off the streets for, you know, a, a few hundred dollars more than this car payment. You can have a place to live every month. Uh, th- this is just outrageous. And the renting. So if they have any aspirations of buying a house, this is a real boat anchor you're tying around your neck that may- makes future life decisions very challenging. And also I will note I'm still on this soapbox. You might have heard. <laughs> Just imagine um, six years. They're signing up for six years of misery. $80,000, six years. This puts my $65,000 truck rant to shame. I just can't get, I, I, can't, I can't get behind this in any way, shape, or form. Making $60,000 a year, there's a, a formula for buying cars. So all the cars in your in your possession, this is just quick and dirty back of the napkin math. Two times, no, fifty percent of your annual salary is what you should have tied up with in in money with anything with wheels on it. So if you made a hundred thousand dollars as a household income, the most you should have tied up in in cars, trucks, boats, RVs, anything with wheels is fifty thousand dollars. So fifty percent of your annual income. That's just a, a, it's a measuring stick. It's, it's not a, it's a, it's a, a guideline. It's not like meant to be calculated down to the penny, but that, that's when it tends to make sense. So if 50% of your annual salary, so this person, they're way, way off. I mean, it, his wage is 60,000. Just say his, his wife's wage is, is 60, just say it's 40,000. So together they make a hundred grand. $50,000 is the most they should have tied up in both of their vehicles, whatever they're worth, the, the book value on both of them. So they're completely off the charts. And I, I'm curious, well, you kind of laid out an uh, example of, of what it could look like doing a little bit of, of simple math on, on the purchase of a car. But when it comes to, he broke down the payments plus insurance plus gas. What Are, are there any magic tricks to, or 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 ideas that you can look at just in terms of, of getting an estimate of, of what that could look like and, and how to factor that into the equation? Well, it's it pretty easy. Like, so in a new car, you're not going to have, maintenance is kind of non a non-issue. It's probably under warranty for the first three years at the, at the very least. You're probably, you can quickly figure out you, the gas. The, every car has a fuel rating and you can figure out how many kilometers you anticipate driving and quickly calculate how much you're going to spend on gas and you can get a quote on the insurance. I'm thinking a Lexus is going to be quite expensive to insure. The fuel is probably not a, not a big issue. Although it's a performance car, it's going to burn more than the other cars they were looking at, like a Civic or a RAV4. And in terms of, what I guess what comes to mind, and I wonder your thoughts on this, what comes to mind here too, and I'd like your, your kind of speculation, as, as you always put forward in these episodes, but the impulse what do you think triggered that impulse they like, and where, when at what point do you think that that lack of impulse control really uh exposed itself do you think it was before they hit the dealership do you think it was as they were looking at cars like when do you when, where do you think the breakdown was based on your experience uh in your car buying uh history 
Well, it could be. If, you, if you've ever been to like Toronto, they have these things called auto malls. It's like a mall for car buying. So what it is basically is all the dealerships are all in one area. And you can literally, you could walk from one dealer to another. They just, they're all in this thing called the auto mall. And if you go there, the, it, when you drive into the auto mall, I've, I've drove by it, I've never drove in it, all the luxury brands are at the front and all the, the economy brands are at the back. So you have to drive by the BMWs, the, the Mercedes, the Lexus. You got to drive by all those luxury brand dealerships to get to the, the, the discount, I'll call them, like the Hondas and the Toyotas and General Motors uh, dealerships. They're further in the back. So it could be something as simple as they, they couldn't, get their car they couldn't drive past the lexus dealer so they that's the first place they stopped maybe there was a big sign out front saying you know get ten thousand dollars in rebates or some you know marketing scheme maybe they know somebody that just bought a lexus you're hanging with the wrong people if you do but maybe somebody said oh you know if you buy a lexus they're so reliable you know the, the extra cost is made up for it and just reliability they could have been sold some sort of bag of goods like that I suspect the impulse was they stopped at the wrong dealership. I mean, just say you stopped at a Lexus dealership and you took one of their cars for a drive. Big mistake. But just say you did. And you said, okay, we can't afford this. Let's go check out the Hondas. As nice as Hondas are, you drive a Honda right after you drive a Lexus and you're going to feel like you're in a used car, like a you know a, a, a junker in comparison. So the, the problem is they should have never, like Lexus should have been, not even on their radar and that that's that's where it went off the rails i suspect they got taken by a really good salesperson and they got caught up in the 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 frenzy of somebody's normalized owning a lexus for these people and that's that eighty thousand dollars was normalized and for a moment in time and i think that's how they got the the impulse happened and i'm sure some really highly skilled salesperson did the deserve sales pitch to them. You guys deserve this, man. You, If you don't do it now, you'll never do it. Something like that. Oh, yeah. And and, and for you, did any kind of sig- signal signal bells or red flags go off when you saw that they rented? Well, it, they, you know, I would hope you'd be saving up to buy a house at some point. Houses are, they're not a requirement, but they're a great wealth builder building tool. So I would hope, they would they would be hoping you know saving like before you get into Lexuses you you should probably be thinking about a down payment on a house so I, I think their priorities again they maybe temporarily their priorities got shifted or or twisted and, and they just made it like they said an impulse decision and this person legitimately wants out of this bad decision so good good on him for for realizing they made a mistake now it could be maybe his wife is wants a Lexus and he doesn't who knows how that's how deep that story goes but it, at least good on him for realizing he's made this is probably an exaggeration he's saying the worst decision of my life I'm sure there's going to be a lot worse decisions in your life if if you're young there, there'll be a lot more time to make bad decisions this is the worst one so far uh if you can get out of this you got off pretty easy and my last question for you before we jump on to the link is 
uh, my question around the non-refundable deposited of 2500 So um, is, is this something that should have, as soon as you hear the word non-refundable, is this something you should always be running from or is this kind of a case-by-case basis? Well, you know, I'm going to call the $2,500 a, a, a stupid tax. <laughs> That's the tax you pay for making, you know, bad decisions. So I believe it's probably non-refundable. If they placed an order on him wanting this car, you know, they placed a fa- factory order, I, I think you probably should be out your $2,500 or, or most of it. You know, the, they're taking you on on your word that you want to buy this car and you're taking them on their word that they're going to order the car. So I, I think if, if you've placed an order and you've it required a $2,500 deposit and you've changed your mind, I, I, I would just consider that a, a, a tax on a bad decision. I want to jump into the link, the, our next segment, the link where we reflect on our personal experiences because I, I, I want to kind of spin that question around now and, and ask it to, for you. When when a decision comes up that is requiring a non-refundable deposit, are you quick to are you quick to kind of back away and wonder why it's not refundable what kind of what kind of things are you thinking when when those types of of situations are approached um that you approach them and and are you ever saying yes to something like that so whenever i've dealt with a reputable organization of any kind i've you've i've always been able to get a deposit back and i only give a deposit if 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 I, I know I could get my money back, like uh, there's situations where you can't, you have to, at some point you have to be all in on a decision and the deposit is, is your commitment to that decision. But I honestly think, I think with buying cars, there's a thing called a cooling off period and you can buy a car and get caught up in a decision. And this is like a legal thing. There's a cooling off period and I, let's call it 30 days. Within 30 days, you can go back and undo this decision and they're legally required to undo this decision for you. So I, if anybody's listening to this and, and knows something different than that, please let me know. But I believe that to be the case. And for you, you've owned uh, definitely a, a variety and range of vehicles. And I think it might be good to kind of paint that picture for our listeners, especially those who are just joining us for the first time on on the vehicle you drive today, even, and and how even at your age, um, with your with your salary earnings near the the end of your career, um, what that looks like for you? Are we are we in the link period segment of the show now, Courtney? Is that yes? Yeah, we've we transitioned the link, okay. and, and we're okay. looking just at uh, at what. Okay. Uh, what so I have a story for the link. So when I was in my twenties, I needed a car. I, I didn't have a car. I drove my parents' car, and I needed a car. And everybody I knew including my parents and all my friends, they all had brand new cars. So I went out and bought a brand new car. And it's the only brand new car I've ever owned. And at the time, I didn't think it was the worst decision in my life. But looking back, it was it was a really bad decision. So I bought, the car was called, it was a Chevrolet Cavalier Z24. And the Z24 was the sport model of that car. And they had a lot of fancy things. It had a big motor and a lot of fancy body molding and it, it looks sporty and I was pretty excited to own it and I'm glad I got it in my system because it was it, it was owning that car wasn't all like the problem with the car is it, it quickly gets integrated in your day-to-day life and it's no longer special and for the amount of money you pay for a car 
they become not special very quickly. And that was something I didn't anticipate in owning my first car that, you know, three months into owning that car, it was, it just became a car. I mean, it was just another car. And so I, anyway, I, I paid the new car premium for the car, but I ended up keeping that car for almost 10 years. It was a, it was a very reliable car, but it's the only new car I've ever owned. Ever since then, I've just bought used cars and generally at a, a 50% discount. Now, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I, I know you're saying used cars are super expensive. This is a little blimp in, in the, the buy caring, car buying period of time. Because of the pandemic, used cars, price of used cars has gone through the roof. So just for this little wee window of time, buying a used car right now doesn't make sense. But let's put that aside. I've always bought used cars. They tend to be almost 50% off because I buy them about three years old, generally. And they, they generally return from a lease. I, I buy them at, like, I'm driving a Honda CRV. I bought it for just under $20,000. It was three years old. The same model, brand new, was about $45,000. So I, I got a really good deal on that one. It had about 40,000 kilometers on it. So for me, that's about two years of driving. So it, that's the kind of cars I buy. And I buy them, I keep them for about 10 years. So it's about 12 years old when I get rid of it, 12, 13 years old when I get rid of it. And that's been working for me for about 30 years. So it's a formula that has been, and it, it didn't, this, this philosophy of buying used cars for me only started working when leased cars became mainstream. So way back when I was a kid, leased cars didn't exist. They, 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 the dealerships invented leasing as a way to sell expensive cars to people who can't afford them. Because in essence, you're only buying a portion of that car's life. And that's how they, they get people to buy Lexuses who can only afford Honda Civics. That's, and these people, they, they actually went all in and they, they actually financed the whole thing. But that's kind of my, that's my link to this story is I, I did make a mistake. Uh, but, you know, when I bought my Chevrolet Cavalier Z24, it was kind of like buying the, the sport model. I'm going to equate it to today's car. It'd be like buying the sport model of the Honda Civic. So I, I wasn't buying a Lexus by any stretch. I was buying the, the, the entry level of General Motors cars at the time, sport model. So I, I paid the premium for the sport model, and I paid the premium for being brand new. But I wasn't buying a BMW, Cadillac, luxury brand like that. So I made a mistake. I'm going to admit it, but not, not a mistake this big. So fast, fast forward to today, Paint uh, paint a picture for our listeners about how how you justify what you're driving today, and I guess justify might be the wrong words, but you are established in your career. You are on the other side. You are financially independent, and yet you are driving what you are driving. So, kind of talk us through about why you are driving what you're driving, and, and haven't made any upgrades. So I keep driving used cars because I, I you know last episode we talked about I have a value system, and what, like I'll give you an example. When, I, when I'm at a restaurant ordering a meal, I never order alcohol with my meal. Not that I can't afford it. Not that I think it's a bad idea. It's just a value system. I never get tempted by happy hour or any sort of drink menus. I just don't order drinks with a meal. And another value system I have is I don't buy new cars. I only buy used cars secondhand. That's just something I do. I'll never be enticed by a new car 
deal of the century because I just drive used cars. It makes life real easy. It's a decision I don't have to make over and over again. I made the decision, made it a, a value system of mine, and now I never have to go down that road again. I never have to revisit. Every time I need a car, I never say, well, maybe we should look at new cars and spend weeks looking at new cars and not getting caught up in all the new car frenzy and then eventually settling on a used car. It makes the process real simple. The decision was pre-made a long time ago. This is what I believe in. Now, I occasionally revisit my values, but I don't revisit my values when I need a car. I will revisit my value system periodically to say, gee, what do new cars cost today? And what do used cars cost? And I'll do that when I don't need a car so I won't get caught up in the frenzy of new car buying. So that's kind of why I buy used cars. Also, I just think they're an incredible deal. They're, they're, you're basically, you're getting a, a, a car that has maybe two years of, of kilometers on it for half price. I mean, if you think about what you what you could do, this is just, you know, you know I wouldn't do this, but an example, if you buy a brand new car, say I bought my CRV, brand new CRV for $45,000, and I, I drive it for 10 years. I get 10 years of car life out of that. Now, let's just say I bought my a secondhand CRV for $20,000. And I drove it for, for five years. I went out and bought a second. I mean, there's still a lot of car life left. But after five years, I went and bought a second used CRV for $20,000 and drove it for another five years. So that's the same 10 years. I've owned two cars and spent less money. And and I've had them, like, I got a new car every five years. If, if I wanted to do it that way, I could and still come out ahead. So I want to back up before we move on to the, the upvote. But back when you went from that brand new car that, purchased the, that you purchased to your first used car, what were your friends doing at the time? And was that a hard transition? Because I asked that because it, it directly relates to the situation that this couple's in and the fact that they've owned used or they have older cars we don't know if they were purchased new uh the RAV4 was purchased new but they were looking at uh, more economical cars so what did that time period of your life look like and how did you make that decision to create that value that you would only buy used in at, at that point so to start with it sucked <laughs> a lot so going 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 from a new car buying experience to a used car buying experience is really a dramatic change like uh, the the dealerships i found kind of treated you a bit like a second class citizen which i don't care about now but it bugged me at the time i my friends could not comprehend or understand why i would do something so outrageous as buy a used car but once i did it a couple times it, people just stopped asking I think now if I bought a new car, people would say, well, you know, are you okay? Is everything, is something wrong? You know, I, I get the same questions. So it, it was a, that transition is hard uh, socially and um, personally, you know, you, that just buying a new car is super, super exciting. I, and I can only imagine buying a luxury new car is even more exciting. You know, one thing I got to do is I was driving a 2006 CRV. And I bought a 2015 CRV. That was my latest transition. And I felt like I was getting into a, a spaceship when I got in that 2015. My 2006 CRV had a cassette player, of all things. And my new one had Bluetooth. Like, I mean, it was, it was mind blowing. So I, I, 
so when you when you have that big gap between cars, you, you do get that um, you do get some excitement, but it's it's not excitement you can share with other people because they've been in that you know you know spaceship like environment for a long time, longer than I have. So uh, it, it's it's a challenging transition socially and personally, but once you make it and you just stay on that road, it just it's it's not a problem. And my final question for you before we do move on to the link is that that concept of deserving, it, that's never been something that I'm guessing you've experienced just because of your value system or through the years, it, has it just not kind of worked uh, worked with your overall financial goals as well? Well, if you think of the the value system, it, they're, they're, they're pre-made decisions. So you don't have to make the decisions again. So whether you deserve something or not, if it's not part of my value system, it doesn't matter whether I deserve it or not, it's just not something I do, or it's, it's something I do do. So it, it deserve, uh, impulse, none of those things come into play when you have a value system like I do, that you, the decision has been pre-made. Uh, you know, I, I go back to my original thing. You don't deserve anything in life. You get what you earn. There's no deserve. You, you, you make your decisions, you, you live with your decisions, but you, society doesn't reward you with anything. You you work hard, you end up with a lot of money, or hopefully you end up with a lot of money. If you choose to spend that money on something you want, it's not something you deserve, it's something you want. Nope, you you don't you don't deserve anything in life. You 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 get what you 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 sow what you reap and you you get what you get. You make decisions with the best information you have at the time. And it either works out or it doesn't work out. You modify that decision. But I, I don't believe in deserve anywhere. No, that's super fair. I want to I want to skip now on to the link. This is the third or the link we're on now. Sorry, the upvote. Um, we'll read some of our favorite comments. This is the four, third of the four segments for this episode today. So we're just going to look through some of kind of the the discussion that's happening and, and where the conversation is at with respect to um, users on Reddit. So um, one one person said, and I think this is this is kind of be a common thread, is if you don't know how, how you're going to afford it, just take the $2,500 loss and consider it as a lesson learned. That is excellent advice. That is, I suspect you won't lose the two, so the the total two hundred two thousand five hundred dollars. But if you ha- if you can't figure out how you're going to pay for this, that car is going to depreciate minute by minute as soon as you drive it off the lot. You know that expression; it depreciates twenty percent the minute you drive it off the lot. So selling it secondhand is not going to be an option. So I say cut your losses. That is, it, it's. If you think of the $2,500, just say you can't get it back. That is a sunk cost. It should not influence your future decision. That that money is gone. It should not, you can't throw good money after bad. Oh, I love that. And that really kind of does echo the following comment that says, it's not an easy choice, a one, or it is an easy choice. A one-time $2,500 mistake or a uh, $1,100 mistake once a month for many years. So that really echoes what you're saying. Wow. Yeah, that is good. And you know, if this, these, this couple, if they're in their twenties, so when, if you're just say you're 50 in, in the, between age 50 and 56, your life doesn't change much. You're going to, 
maybe be close to retirement, but your day-to-day life is not going to look a whole lot different from 50 to 56. Mine didn't. But just say this couple is like 25. When they're 31, their life is going to look dramatically different. And I highly doubt, or at least I hope for their sake, that an $1,100 car payment, if, if it remotely makes sense when you're 25, I hope it doesn't make any sense when you're 31. I hope it, it's completely off the charts insane. So getting yourself caught up into a six-year commitment and in that when that that period of your life is going you're going to change so much that $1100 is going to make no sense at all when you're 31. No, that's a that's actually a really good uh, insight on that and 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 by that you mean that jobs could change and and life circumstances could change as well I'm guessing. Well, if you just say you were 25, did they say how old they were in this? I can't remember. Oh, they're 30. They just turned 30. So from age 30, from age 30 to age 36, uh, you, you could go from renting an apartment and having the only dependent is a dog, I think they said, to having a ho- needing a house, not having, but needing a house and having two children. You, you could, your, your life could change that much in six years, in, in those particular six years. So I, I can't imagine... That this is just, and you know, just say they bought a truck. You know how I feel about trucks. Say they bought a $79,000 truck. You could do a lot more with a truck. You could tow a trailer. You could buy an RV. You could get a job as a contractor. You could tow things for people. You could turn that into a side hustle. I still don't think it's a good idea, but you could do stuff like that. But Alexis, all you can do is drive and wave at people. No, that's that is true in terms of the practicality. There's another comment that really echoes uh, the same same kind of thread. If you thought you could afford a Lexus at the time of purchase, a twenty a twenty five hundred dollar loss is inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. You'll have your whole life to make up that two point five k loss, or you can suffer five years of a thousand dollar car payments per month and a regretful reminder every time you turn the ignition on your squanky Lexus. I don't think for a minute they ever thought they could afford a Lexus. I think there was somebody spinning numbers. The person selling them this car was a number spinner. And if you want to know what that means, they were, you know how sometimes you see uh, payments from, you know, $199 a week, right? Like, who, who, it's, we generally make our bill payments on a monthly basis, right? I get you can make them weekly, but generally, when somebody tells you how much your rent is, your mortgage payment is, your utility bill, your cable bill, your internet bill, you're talking about a monthly expense, right? Well, if if you if somebody was spinning the number, hey, that's only six hundred dollars a week, or what? You come up with whatever number, you know, that's only fifty five dollars every three days. Like you could spin these numbers in such a way that would make you think that's not that much money when you think about it, and. You, I, I think they got, they never thought for a minute they could afford this. So I, I disagree with that comment. I think they just got caught up with a very highly skilled sales rep. It sounds like it. And another comment said, and, and this is kind of a nice, I don't, I don't want to say kind of positive spin on it, but probably won't be the worst financial decision of your life. And if it is, you are definitely beating the average. Well, that, that you know, and that's true. You know, I, I that's why I say, um, I think they probably got 
worst decisions coming, you know, you, you, when I say bad decisions, you make the best decision you can with the information you have. And if it doesn't work out, but you, you made the best decision with all the information you had at the time, then it was a good decision, right? It's not a bad decision if it doesn't turn out. That's not how we measure decisions, whether it was a good decision or a bad decision, because we don't have hindsight. So it's a good decision is if, if you used all the inputs you had available and you rationalized them and made the most sound decision with all the information you had at the time. If you, if you didn't take all the inputs or you miscalculated or you, you misused those inputs, then it was a bad decision. But if it, you don't measure a decision on how it turns out because that's called hindsight. And n- nobody has that at the time, all the information. You know, if I knew that, if I know... If I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have did that, right? That That's obvious for a lot of things. So this, this, but this one, I doubt they used all their inputs. They didn't use their, their monthly budget. They, they, they weren't crunching numbers. So this is a bad decision. So that, that's, I just wanted to make that, that distinction between bad decisions and bad outcomes. Those are two different things. No, I really like that distinction. There's two other comments I want to bring forward. I want to get your thoughts and perspectives on them. So, oh, and I want to I want to say one more thing about decisions. So there's when you cover the information, there's there's the things you know that you don't know, and the things you don't know that you don't know. And if you think about the things you know that you don't know, is you 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 know you don't know what your life is going to look like six years from now. You you can you can theorize, but you don't know, and there's no way of knowing, especially at that age, thirty. But there's things you know. There there's things you don't know that you don't know, and that is what life, your future, things that could happen to you, like you, you could lose your job, you could have to relocate, and this is where you you can't spend all the money you have or heaven forbid spend more money than you have you need a buffer you need to buy a car that is well below your affordability because there's there's you need cushion in your financial life and and you can't spend right up to your earnings no i i agree with that wholeheartedly and my my follow-up question for you is is with respect to um one of the comments on buyer's remorse and that's what it kind of sounds like here so i'm curious to to hear your thoughts on buyer's remorse maybe why this is coming up four weeks later um and and maybe how how that really comes into play when it comes to our bigger purchases so i look at buyer's remorse is it's not so buyer's remorse is when you bought something and it generally it's at the other end of the spectrum you you kind of cheaped out you you bought the the cheap version of something and you wish you would have got a better quality. To me, that, that's usually what happens. That's my buyer's remorse. Or you bought something, a gadget or some sort of thing, and it turns out you didn't need it. Th- this one, I'm pretty sure these, this guy really likes the Lexus still. Like he's still a fan of Lexus. He's still a fan of luxury cars. He's just realized he can't afford it. So b- to me, buyer's remorse is you, you decided you don't like the product you bought or the product isn't going to meet your needs as you thought it might have. That's buyer's remorse. Dece- figuring, coming to the conclusion you can't afford it, but still liking the Lexus, that's not buyer's remorse. That, that's just 
a bad financial decision. Now that that distinction makes a lot of sense. And and one other question I have for you, just while we're looking, we're, while we're in the upvote section, looking at the comments, is another person commented, um, eight dreams felt deserved dream that these are all words that should not be included in buying a car so what these words really scream to me are the idea of bringing emotion into decision making so can you walk us through a little bit about how you ensure logic i mean i know you have your value system but how do you ensure that logic always remains at the forefront of your decision making as opposed to letting emotion uh, kind of wield its head sometimes well, I do think emotion should come into some big purchasing decisions. Like I, I'm looking to downsize my house and I can look and analyze houses and room sizes and and upgrades on houses all day long. But at the end of the day, I have to walk into that house and picture myself living there. And picture myself living in a house is an emotional experience. So I would hope emotion would drive some aspect of my purchasing decision with a house. Same with a car. I mean, a lot of people, safety is important for a car. Well, when you get in a car, I mean, you, you can't see the airbags, but you, you want to feel like you can, there's not many blind spots. Like the, there's an element of emotion that comes into buying something, but the emotion, you, you, you don't even start, you don't even look at things you can't afford because you, you make your logical decisions to narrow down your list of options with logic. And logic includes how much can I afford. Once you get a window of logic in place, then you can go and shop with your emotions and, and let, let your emotions guide you. I mean, if you're going out to buy a car, you have to like the color of it. You know, the, 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 the color has zero impact on your, the car getting you from point A to point B. Uh, the, the radio has zero, the stereo has zero impact on getting you from point A to point B. So logic is not going to be the thing that drives whether you like the color of the car or the stereo or the comfort of the seat, logic, you, you apply the logic before you even go shopping. This is my parameters that I'm working in. I can't step outside of these parameters. Anything inside these parameters, my emotions are, can go crazy. Just stay within, inside this window of, of options. No, I really like that distinction because we sometimes think of emotions as being a bad thing sometimes when it when it's kind of taking the forefront. But I, I like the emphasis that the logic's going to drive it and the emotions are going to kind of tag along for uh, for some for some input after the logic kind of has a say. I want to move on now to the final segment of, of our show, uh, the solution, where we offer up practical uh, takeaways. So. And, and looking at this post and looking at this couple's uh, predicament or, or circumstance, uh, what, w- what would you offer up as, as kind of a solution to both this couple, but also just overarching, more broad um, a solution in terms of, of making a decision similar to this? Well, I would use this as a benchmark for, for start with, get out of this decision Lose your $2,500. I bet you, you don't have to lose $2,500. You might have to lose part of it, but I I don't think you're all $2,500. If the person who wrote this post ever listens to this podcast, please send us a note telling us how how it turned out. But get out of this. It's, it's, you've realized the mistake, but I, I hope the takeaway here is, is don't, don't have impulses and don't use the word deserve in your vocabulary going forward. Because I, I go back to this thing, you don't deserve anything. You get what you earn in life. And this mistake 
could repeat itself in some other aspect of their life. Like they might deserve a new kitchen one day, right, in their house. And they might deserve a cottage up in the Muskokas one day. They might deserve uh, an international vacation twice a year. You can get caught up in the deserve thing and it can be a a slippery slope. So I would say if I'm going to learn something from this, I hope, I think you can get out of this and it might cost you $2,500, small price to pay, but the, the thing you should learn from it is don't be impulsive and get rid of the word deserve. You don't deserve anything. And on that note, that does bring us to the end of today's show. We looked at the Reddit post within the Personal Finance Canada subreddit. Might have made the worst decision of my life. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you want to get in touch with us, you can always do so by visiting our social media. And uh, if you want to submit a question that you would like featured here on the podcast moving forward, you can always do that by leaving it in the Personal Finance Canada subreddit. And include Ask SMS within it so that we can identify it as, a, as something that you'd uh, like featured on an upcoming show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll, we'll catch you back next here next week. 